0: How do you know where you're getting your joy? Habakkuk said, I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. What are you going to rejoice in? If your joy is rooted in anything that can be touched or tampered with, you have an unstable joy. Where are you getting your joy? You say from God. How do you know you're not getting your joy from your job? Take away your job and let's see if you have your joy. How do you know you're not getting your joy from your health? Take away your health and see if you have your joy. How do you know you're not getting your joy? From your church buildings, take them away and see if you still have your job. Friend, we may never know that God is enough until God is all we have. The plain-spoken biblical wisdom and timeless teaching of Adrian Rogers has gone around the world and has been described by the thousands of people he has touched as profound truth simply stated. We hope you'll have your Bibles ready and stay with us as we present that profound truth through today's message. And if you are encouraged by today's message, remember, you can stream this message again and download outlines, notes, a transcript, and other resources to go along with this message, all at lwf.org. Now, let's join Adrian Rogers. Be finding the book of Habakkuk, a small book with three chapters, but I think perhaps the most pertinent book in the entire Bible for the day and age in which we live. Uh, we're living in a day in which everything that is not nailed down is coming loose. These are fearful days in many ways. There, there is apostasy in the church, anarchy in the world, and alas, alas, sometimes apathy in the pew. We just go from day to day. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Every now and then I'll read where some calamity howler will tell us that the sky is falling. And then I read where somebody says, don't worry about it at all. And uh, all of these are supposed to be experts. Well, what do we do in uncertain times when it looks like we're looking sometimes into the end of the muzzle of a loaded cannon? That's what the book of Habakkuk is all about. You see, the question that is being asked today was a question that was asked many years ago. And the question is, in all of this trouble, where is God? All of the crime, all of the disease, and all of the hatred, and all of the murder, and all of the pillage, and all of the rape, and all of the perversion, where is God? Has God lost control? Or is it that God just doesn't even care? Very frankly, this is a problem that is causing many people to stumble. Uh, You know, the problem is not in the minds of many the problem of science. From whence did the world come? It's the problem of history. To where the world is going. Not how it began, but how it is ending. People say, I can't understand history. Now, Habakkuk faced the same problem. This little book has three chapters, and we're going to look just a little bit at all three of the chapters today. Chapter number one is a perplexing problem. He just looked around and he said, God, where are you? How are you letting all of this happen? Chapter two is a proper perspective. Habakkuk got away and he looked back and God spoke to him and God gave him a vision. God didn't give him an explanation, but God spoke to him and he had a proper perspective. And then chapter 3 ends with a profound praise. He begins just to praise God. Not uh, because the circumstances have been removed, But in the circumstances, in a dark, dark, dark day, he is giving God praise. Peace is not the subtraction of problems from life. It is the addition of power to meet those problems. And that's what Habakkuk found. And that's what you're going to find today. Now, look in chapter 2 and verse 4. Chapter 2 and verse 4, because here's the theme of the book. You find a verse there. Behold, his soul... Which is lifted up is not upright in him. He's talking about the sinner now. He's high and mighty, but he's leaning. (laughs) And he's about to fall. The soul that is lifted up is not upright. He's about ready to take a fall. But then God speaks to all of us and he says, But the just, the just, that word literally means the upright, shall live by his faith. Now, don't just miss that verse. And don't gloss over it. Because that verse is so important, it is repeated three times in the New Testament. You'll find it in the book of Romans. You'll find it in the book of Galatians. You'll find it in the book of Hebrews. Three times, the just shall live by faith. And that's what I want you to see today because, folks, you're going to need this scripture. As I said, rather than to fold up and give up, (laughs) we can look up and stand up. And uh, we're going to learn three things about faith. And giving thanks in dark days. And I want God to etch them upon your heart. Number one, faith doesn't live by explanations, but by promises. Faith does not live by explanations, but by promises. Now go back to chapter one. And let's look here in chapter one for a moment and find the problems that uh, Habakkuk had. Uh, He had some real problems. Look, if you will, in verses 1 and 2. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. It is not that Habakkuk had not been praying. He had been praying. And things don't seem to be getting better. Things seem to be getting worse. And Habakkuk says, oh God, how long am I going to cry to you? And you don't hear. You don't answer my prayer. Actually, there are two words for cry there in in those verses. The first word is a word for cry that is used like a a cry for help. Somebody who's sinking. (laughs) Help me! That's the first word. He's crying out for help. But then the second word is, like, is a word that means a shout, almost a scream. He's shouting at God. He's saying, God, where are you? Have you ever shouted at God? I did once, not out of irreverence. But at a time of such perplexity, driving along in my car with a broken heart, I shouted at God. I said, God. Why, oh God, don't you do something? Maybe you've been there. There was the problem of heaven's silence. One country man, uh, one boy from the country said things are really bad. <laughs> if something doesn't happen soon, something's sure going to happen. <laughs> and I, I think many of us can feel that way. And so he had the problem of, of heaven's silence. But then look in verses 3 and 4, not only heaven's silence, but earth's sinfulness. Look, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and the word slack literally means paralyzed, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. The moral condition of Habakkuk's day was deplorable. They'd hit the bottom. Jeremiah, the prophet, was a contemporary of Habakkuk. And here's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 10, uh, 30, and 31. A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. Let's listen to this. The prophets prophesy falsehood. That is, those who were supposed to be speaking for God were telling lies. And the priest bear rule by their means. That is, they were lording it over God's people. And my people love to have it so. It would be bad enough if it were happening and the people rose up against it, but they love it. And what will ye do in the end thereof? You know what the problem is in America today? We've lost our moral consensus. We literally have clergymen today telling us that sex outside of marriage is both permissible and pleasurable that sodomy is an alternative lifestyle. It's all all right. They look upon people like myself and like some of you and they call us uh, bigots. They call us fundamentalists. They call us literalists. They call us old-fashioned because we will not go along. The Bible says that the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by the means and the people love to have it so. And then Jeremiah went on to say in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 12, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? no. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Now, we've come to that place today, ladies and gentlemen, where people don't even blush. As a matter of fact, they get on television shows and they talk about things that are ungodly, unseemly, unspeakably filthy. And as Dr. Vance Habner said, sin that used to slink down back alleys now struts down main streets. A generation of unblushables. That's what happened in, in uh, Habakkuk's time. And he says in verse 4 that the law is slack. That means it's paralyzed. Never had more lawyers, more judges, more courtrooms in history and yet less justice and we have more lawlessness than ever before. Well, first of all, heaven's silence. Secondly, earth's sin. Thirdly, hell's success look in verses five and six behold among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe though it be told you for lo I raise up the Chaldeans that's just another word for the Babylonians that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwellings that are not theirs (laughs) now listen he says not only have I cried and God, you didn't hear me. And not only is uh, is there wickedness and violence and spoiling, but now it gets worse. Uh, these Babylonians, they don't know you. They don't love you. They're wicked. They're cruel. They're gross. And they're going to come against God's people. And they're going to conquer the land. They are going to be successful. God's people will be in retreat. You see, he's saying, God, why don't you speak? And when God finally does speak, uh, what he said, it seems, uh, worse than uh, his silence. He says, you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. <laughs> Folks, this is perplexing, uh, to Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk can't understand it. Uh, look, if you will, in verse 5, uh, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, God is speaking, which ye shall not believe, though it be told you. God said, what good would it do me to tell you what I'm going to do? You wouldn't believe it. (laughs) You, You couldn't understand it. Now, folks, all of this is under the heading. Are you listening? We, as God's children, listen, we do not live by explanations but by promises. Faith does not live by explanations. God says, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Now, if you're wanting God to explain everything to you, forget it. God is not going to explain everything to you. Number one, you couldn't understand it if he did explain it to you. Jesus said in the Gospels, I have many things to tell you. You're not able to bear them. God says in Isaiah, my thoughts are as high above your thoughts as the heavens are above the earth Uh, no more than I could explain to an ant thermodynamics Uh, could God explain his marvelous wonderful ways Uh, Romans chapter 11 verses 33 and 34 oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out would you put that in your margin His ways are past finding out who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor. He won't go to you for advice. Therefore, faith does not live by explanations but by promises. If you want God to explain everything to you, forget it. Number one, you couldn't understand it. Number two, God's not going to limit himself to what you could understand. Folks, even the simplest things we don't understand. We don't live by explanations. Jesus said, I have many things to tell you. You're not able to bear them. And if God did explain it to us and we did understand it, we'd say, now, Lord, I want to tell you there's a better way you could have done it. Now, that, that's not the best way, Lord. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Folks, just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. And just because it doesn't make sense to you now doesn't mean that it will not make sense later on. But Habakkuk is stunned when he gets the answer because here's what God says. Uh, uh, he's saying, God, how long am I going to see all this violence? How much, all of this sin, all of this perversion? And God says in verses 11, 12, and 13, listen, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. I'm going to raise up a, a bitter and a hasty uh, nation and they're going to come against you. And Habakkuk says, Lord, uh, how can you do this? How can you do this? How can you, God, let the Babylonians come against us, your chosen people? Lord, you of are of pure eyes than to behold iniquity. You're a righteous God. How can you do this? It doesn't make sense. Look, if you will, in verse 13. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that, watch this, that is more righteous than he. <laughs> Old Habakkuk thought God graded on the curve. That's what America, listen. You want me to tell you what Americans think? Americans say, well, well hey, look, we are bad. But we're not as bad as they are. Therefore, God's on our side. Mm. <laughs> we Republicans are bad, but we're not like those old Democrats. We Baptists, but we're not like those old da 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 da. We think we think you know that God just somehow grades on the curve. He says, "God, how can you do this?" Lord, you're of pure eyes, that behold iniquity. How can you let the Babylonians come against us? How can you do that? Well, God said, I told you you wouldn't believe it if I told you. You wouldn't believe. Put it down big, put it down plain. Put it down straight. The just will live by faith, but faith does not live by explanations, but by promises. You better get some promises. And I mean get a bulldog grip on those promises. Now, uh, let's go to the second point. First point, faith does not live by explanations but by promises. Number two, faith does not live by appearances, but by providence. Now, if you get your faith from appearances, you're going to you're going to be riding a roller coaster all of the time. Now, look in chapter two and see what habakkuk did the same thing you need to do in these desperate days i will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what i shall answer when i am reproved now what habakkuk said is this i'm going to stop shouting at god and i'm going to get quiet and i'm going to begin to listen to god habakkuk had a place where he could get alone With God. He had some little prayer tower. He got up in that prayer tower and he said, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to start listening. And when he did, that's when his sighing turned to seeing. And he saw there the providence of God. In spite of all of the appearances, in spite of all that he could see with his eyes, he saw now by the eye of faith the providence of God. What God in providence has promised and provided. First thing he saw, and I want you to get this, was the reliability of Scripture. The reliability of Scripture. Look in verses 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that is upon tablets, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. He said, a- Habakkuk, now that you quit shouting at me, now that you begin to listen to me, get out your pen. I want you to write a book. We'll name it after you. We'll call it the book of Habakkuk. And I want you to write it for times to come. There'll be some folks down there in Memphis, Tennessee who need this. Write it so that he that readeth may run. You know, the problem many times we have today, people who are running without reading. They don't know what they're talking about. They have not gotten into the Word of God. And uh, God is saying, Habakkuk, you write a book because generations to come are going to need what you say. That's what he says in verse 3. If there were ever a day, a time when we need to hear a clear word from God, this is the day, this is the hour. The word of God is of supreme importance. The word of God is paramount. But we have a generation today that's moved by subjective personal experience and emotional encounters with their inner self, rather than a sure word from God. There used to be a time when preachers would stand in the pulpit and say, the Bible says. Then they started saying, the church says. Now they just sort of scratch their head and say, well, it seems to me. People are not interested in that. At least they shouldn't be. They need to have a sure word of God. And we're not to run until we read. And so the very first thing he's he's showing him now provided by God's providence is the reliability of the scripture and then the resource of the saint. Look again in verse 4. It's the verse that we started with. He says here in verse 4, uh, Behold, his soul is n- which is lifted up is not upright in him, whether he be a, a, a Israelite or a Babylonian. But the just shall live by his faith. And that's the only way you're going to make it. Your resource is faith. It is faith that looks beyond the physical to the spiritual. It is faith that looks beyond the present to the future. It is faith that looks beyond the temporary to the eternal. Faith can't fail. Sin can't win. And faith is the only thing that's going to change America today. We live by faith. You know, I said that this verse was quoted, verse 4 is quoted, chapter 2, verse 4 is quoted three times in the New Testament. One of the most significant times is when Paul quotes it in the book of Romans in chapter 1. And I want you to see the context in which Paul quoted this because the context in Romans chapter 1 is so very important. Paul is looking to a nation at the last rung on the ladder down. And he says in Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 24, speaking of these sinful people, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, Mother Earth rather than Father God, who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Now listen to this carefully. Vile affections. "...for even their women did change the natural use to that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat that means which is fitting. "...and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity being argued today is addressed in the verses that I just read to you. But Paul, before he gave these verses, before he gave these verses, gave the remedy, and it's in Romans 1, verses 15 through 17. I want you to listen to it. Paul says, so that as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. I love that. You know what I want to be known as? A gospel preacher. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. Also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now watch this. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul said, let me tell you what Habakkuk said. (laughs) Let me tell you what Habakkuk said. The just shall live by faith. What is our resource? What is what? There's the reliability of the Scripture. And there's the resource of the saint, which is faith. Faith. And then he showed Habakkuk something else. Not only, uh, and by the way, let me say, the most powerful force on earth is faith uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The government can't make us good. Only Jesus can do that. And the changed lives is the only hope for America, and the gospel is the only thing that can change lives in America. So, so what is the providence that, that he has? First of all, there's the reliability of the scriptures. Truth. And there's the resource of the saint, faith. And there's the retribution of the sinner. Look in chapter 2 and, and verse 5. Look at it. He begins to talk about the judgment that's going to come. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, is pr- he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home. Who enlargeth his desires hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, a toning proverb against him, and say, now get this in context. Habakkuk is saying, God, how can you let these ungodly people do what they're doing? God says, I know what I'm doing. There's coming a judgment, and he mentions the word woe, W-O-E, five times. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, follow along. Uh, look in, in, in verse 6, the middle of that verse. Woe unto him that increaseth that which is not his. Look in verse 9. Woe unto him that coveteth an evil covetousness. Look in verse 12. Woe unto him that buildeth a town with blood. Look in verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken. Look in verse 19. Woe unto him that saith uh, to wood, uh, awake to the dumb stone, arise, it shall teach. Woe, 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 woe. He's talking about the calamity that's going to come. Don't think for any moment, Habakkuk, that I am soft on sin. I know what I'm doing. The mills of God grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. He thunders out against material corruption. He says in verse 6, Woe unto him that increaseth that which is not his. People who are getting that which doesn't really belong to him. You know, that's what's wrong with gambling. Everybody says, what's wrong with gambling? Here's a verse that tells you what's wrong with gambling. (laughs) Warn him that uh, geteth that which is not his. You see, when you gamble, you get what belongs to somebody else into your possession without giving him anything for it? All true business is win-win. I give you the service, you give me the money, I give you the widget, you give me the dollar, whatever it is. I win, you win. All bad business is win-lose. In gambling, you cannot have winners without having losers. Woe unto him that increaseth that which is not his. He speaks of material corruption. He speaks of moral corruption. Look in chapter 2, verse 12. Woe unto him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city with iniquity. Do you know what some of the politicians are running on? Do you know the platform? Pro-choice. Elect like me, I'm pro-choice. Do you know what that means? If you elect like me, I'll pass laws that make it legal to kill babies. They say, well, we've decided not to have this child. No, if the mother's pregnant, there'll be a birth. The only question is, will it be a live baby or a dead baby? You're going to have a baby. Woe unto him that establisheth a city by blood. America is soiled with, stained with the blood of precious little babies. And God says there is a woe upon it. And then look, if you will, in verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, that maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest uh, look on their nakedness. God here speaks of the liquor industry. And the curse of God is on it. Uh, there are people who say, well, I, you know, I, I think that liquor is fine. We can, uh, we can get some revenue out of liquor. That's, that's, that's a terrible thing. That's a, that's a horrible thing. Uh, America, our highways have become slaughter pens. Our homes have become hell holes. Our, 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 so many people are zombies, walking dead, alcoholics. And yet yet we think that it's a wonderful thing. The liquor industry. Is brewed with tears. It's thickened with blood. It's flavored with death. By the way, if this makes you angry, come up and apologize to me after the service. I'll forgive you. (laughs) The curse of God is upon it. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink, that maketh him drunken, that's what God says. He speaks here of spiritual corruption. Habakkuk 2. Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumbstone. Arise and it shall teach. America now is filled with cults and false religions. But then we're talking about God's providence. Look, there's a the reliability of the Scripture. There's a the resource of the saints. There's the retribution of the sinner. And there's the reign of the Savior Look, if you will, in chapter 2, verse 14, I love this. For the earth shall be filled, underscore it, mark it. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then look down, if you will, in verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Shut up, Habakkuk. God is God. Habakkuk was saying, oh God, where are you? God says, I'll tell you where I am. I'm in my holy temple. And I'm doing exactly what I have proposed to do and what I will do. And I have not lost control. And Habakkuk, I want to tell you something. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters that cover the sea. Understand it. I'm in control. There's no panic in heaven. Now here's the third thing I want you to see. Faith doesn't live by explanations. It lives by promises. Faith doesn't live by appearances, but by providence. If you can't see God working, it doesn't mean he's not working. Number three, faith doesn't live by circumstances, but by praise. Faith does not live by circumstances, but by praise. Now go to chapter three and we'll take just a minute. First, he started out sighing. Then he's singing, and finally he ends up singing. And by the way, this book was written for the minister of music. Read the last verse in the whole book. It's written for the minister of music. And he says, look, we need to remember God's glory. Here's what we praise God for. Uh, look in verses 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, a prophet upon uh, That That means with deep feeling and praise, O oh Lord. I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman. That's from the south where the law was given. The Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. That means just think about that. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. What do you do in dark days? Number one, remember God's glory. Habakkuk had been asking for a reason. And what he got was a Revelation. We don't need to know why. We need to know who. And then rejoice in God's goodness. Look in verses 17 and 18 of this third chapter. Look at it. I love it. I wish I had more time. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet underscore yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation now listen remember God's glory rejoice in God's goodness what what does it take to make you happy if your bank account is wiped out what's it going to do to you if your goods are confiscated what's it going to do to you If they commandeer this church and take away this property, what's it going to do to our church? I'll tell you, God is in heaven. How do you know where you're getting your joy? Habakkuk said, I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. What are you going to rejoice in? If your joy is rooted in anything that can be touched or tampered with, you have an unstable joy. Where are you getting your joy? You say, from God. How do you know you're not getting your joy from your job? Take away your job and let's see if you have your joy. How do you know you're not getting your joy from your health? Take away your health and see if you have your joy. How do you know you're not getting your joy from your church buildings? Take them away and see if you still have your joy. Friend, we may never know that God is enough until God is all we have. And when we find out that God is all we have, we're going to find out like Habakkuk found out that God, not only is God necessary, God is enough. Remember God's glory. Rejoice in God's goodness. It may get bad, but God is on his throne. That's the reason I'm telling you folks that we need to learn to praise in dark days. We need to give thanks as Habakkuk did in dark days. And then last of all, and I wish I had more time, rely on God's grace. Look in verse 19. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. And then he says to the chief singer on oh my stringed instruments. That fits, doesn't it? Now just praise God. Just praise God. Here's a song. Here's a song that we can sing. If the fields refuse their harvest and the trees no longer bear. If the flocks forsake their shepherd and my head be bowed with care. Yet I know his ways are wondrous with this man made out of dust. And these lips of clay shall praise him, though the world be turned to rust if the roses lose their fragrance, if the birds no longer sing, if the rivers cease their flowing and the bells refuse to ring. Still I know that God is in heaven and I know that all is well. So my lips will sing his praises and the gospel story tell. I will praise him. I will praise him. There will be a brighter day. There will be a bright tomorrow. For God will never pass away. Do you know what chapter 1 tells us? Chapter 1 tells us we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. Do you know what chapter 2 tells us? Friend, we don't live by appearances. We live by providence. You know what the third chapter tells us? The third chapter tells us that we're going to praise God. We're going to praise God no matter what the circumstances are. That's a great book. And the Bible says that the just shall live by his faith. If you don't have faith, I'm telling you, if you don't have faith, you've got nothing to hold on to. It's going to get worse. There's going to be chaos and turmoil. But I know this, that the situation in this world today is going to get increasingly calamitous. The Bible makes it exceeding clear. In the last days, perilous times shall come. What I want you to do, I want you to know Jesus Christ, not know about him. I want you to know him. I want you to be able to say, no matter what happens, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Begin to pray for those around you who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not certain that you're saved, I want you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that you love me and I know that you want to save me. I'm a sinner. My sin deserves judgment, but I need mercy. Lord Jesus... Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Save me, Jesus. Pray that prayer. Pray it. Lord Jesus, save me. I bow my head before you. I acknowledge you as Lord. I believe you paid for my sin with your blood on the cross. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And now like a child, Once and for all, now and forever, I receive you now, right now, as my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, because you died to save me, I will live for you, not in order to be saved, but because I have been saved, and I'll make it public. I will not be ashamed of you, my Lord and my Savior. In your name I pray, amen let me say another word about contentment. Contentment is wrapped up in thanksgiving and sharing. To be thankful for what you have and to be willing to share it with others. And all of that contentment is based in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever been truly content that doesn't have Christ in his heart. Why don't you invite him in today? Why don't you say, Lord, there's been a void and emptiness in my life. I want you to fill it. I want real, genuine Contentment. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Save me, Lord Jesus. Pray that and mean. And if you do, would you write to us and let us know? We'll send you some literature to help you get started in your Christian life.